0: from KIOS in Omaha. You're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with mixed media artist Jeff Cedrill. There are plenty of bots that can create a painting based on a prompt now. How do I not
1: necessarily compete with that because I'm not against that, but how do I do something different that a bot can't do Mm -hmm. the way the impressionists do something a camera can't do I'm sure you could feed my paintings to a bot and say, make something that looks like this, but I want them to be at a place that aren't there. We'll never get there.
0: We're talking about his current exhibition, which is ongoing at the Garden of the Zodiac Gallery through January 29th. We're also talking about craft, but being overwhelmed, and what the function of art can be. Stay tuned for the conversation after this break. Welcome to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Over the last year of hosting this show, I've become increasingly interested in the intersection of critical thought and art and serious engagement and entertainment. Today, I really tried to get into that with Jeff Seedrill, who really just wants to talk about doing art as a way to sometimes escape or as a way to not think about these things, to not be overwhelmed by all of that. I get into all this with my guest, who is Jeff Seedrill, who's a mixed media artist, and he has a series of floral paintings right now in an exhibition at the Garden of the Zodiac Gallery, and that is up through January 29th. He was also a 2017 Fellow at the Union for Contemporary Art under a collaborative multimedia project with Noah Sturba. He's been nominated for two Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards, And he's also been featured at Project Project, Landlocked Gallery, and the Michael Phipps Gallery. Jeff is also the boyfriend of Maria Corpuz, who is hosting this show occasionally as well. So here is my conversation with Jeff Cedrill. In the description for your exhibition, there's a quote from you that says, current times can be outright overwhelming, and perhaps at the end of the day, I just wanted to paint flowers. So I'm curious... What is it that overwhelms you and what makes flowers a nice escape from that? Uh, I mean,
1: right now, everything, everything has just moved so fast. Uh, I feel like especially since, um, since COVID happened, uh, everything kind of stopped. And then we were forced to just like sort of reconcile with what was going on.
0: Um, Like as an artist, did that. Change because I mean, it can't really do exhibitions during COVID, right? Or do you mean, do you mean in like just the broader sense of all life kind of came to that weird place in 2020?
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely made me reconsider everything I was doing. Uh, At the time, I was working as a line cook. um, And I, I mean, I was out of work for six months, five months from March to August. And I just had time to paint. And, I mean, that's not when I started painting flowers. But um, uh, I feel like since COVID and then everything after, all the political, everything, everybody's this side or this side, you have to make a choice on everything that's happening. Um, I I just wanted to be more meditative. And
0: yeah. th- it, it became like an outlet just to paint something. Well, it's, it's very difficult to detach from the stress of everything when it, especially when, like for me, it, for me, it mostly manifests in kind of this, uh, environmental, uh, anxiety, but just like when you sort of feel like everything's falling apart, uh-huh. it's very hard to just be like, I'm going to ignore it all. And I'm going to think about nice uh-huh. things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, my painting practice has always been, uh, going inward, um, and looking for something To put onto paper or canvas, Um, I mean it's always been a meditative practice for me since I started. So when did you start? I mean, it's been forever. Um, I'm sort of one of those people that's like, uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a painter. I always thought I was going to be an artist. Uh, Like
0: all, like so, you're a little kid, or like when. Yeah. When, when like so, what was it then? Because I, I don't know that a lot of kids even now, do they do they conceptualize the idea of being a painter? Like most of what they encounter now is going to be a digital version. Yeah. Of art, right? So yeah. what, were you were you seeing a lot of art as a kid?
1: I, I remember specifically that I I went to like an after school art club. I think it was like second or third grade, and they had us. I mean, really, when you're that age, I mean always just drawing pictures whether it was like daycare or preschool or whatever you know you draw pictures yeah I mean that gets taken away as you get older and uh, and that's I mean we could talk about <laughs> that for a longer amount of time but uh, I, I, I remember uh, seeing like Van Gogh and Monet and Cezanne for some reason in my after school art class they're like these are the impressionists and like
0: they were, uh, they got into impressionism when you were in second yeah, grade and I, I don't
1: okay. I don't know why like but, <laughs> but for for whatever reason like that hit me and like it was probably like the bold colors and 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 whatever but um I just wanted I just wanted to draw like that paint like that figure out why
0: do you remember which ones you were looking at and what what it was that no, drew you to it
1: i don't i don't i, I remember like there's a there's the lady with a with like a, a fruit hat I, th- I think it's Cezanne, pretty sure that Cezanne, uh, and
0: I, I I don't remember why. Probably like bold colors. So it does sound you you had an eye for it, I guess, right? Because a yeah. lot of kids are I don't know that they're drawn to that kind of classical art, right? Yeah. So for you, okay, so I, I was skeptical when you said it was just like, yeah, I always wanted to be this. I always wanted to do this. But when I hear you're in second grade and you're like, yeah, Impressionism seems cool. Yeah. Uh, it does seem like there's something natural there. How, yeah. What I, do you account for that?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> uh, it just, um, I don't know, something something just just stuck with me. And uh, ever since, I mean, ever since then I've just been painting or drawing or or whatever, whether that's like on the margins of like my, my school books uh, – Or when I was actually in like art school, that was always—I've just always been doing it and never stopped. That's something I can always do. Do you have an artistic family? Not particularly. No. (laughs) Okay. I have. Um. I mean, uh, there's music in my family. My my uncle is a classically trained guitar player. Uh, My dad always played guitar growing up. Like we learned piano, but nothing as far as painting or drawing or writing.
0: So that's interesting then, too, that you sort of gravitated toward it on your own. It wasn't like it was part of a, a tradition that you were entering into that you were already exposed to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, their family, they have somebody, I mean, and I do a lot of like reading of, of artists, artists' books and stuff, and their families, they come from somewhere where like Maybe the father's a doctor and the the mother is an, an artist or something yeah. like that. Uh, or they know you know and then they go to the right the right school, they go to like university or um, school of the art institute of Chicago or like any of the art institutes. Yeah. Uh, but
0: well, that's the other thing too, is you're you're you grew up in the Midwest, right? Yeah. So it's not like it was I mean there there are pockets of art, but generally unless you st- are looking for that. It's not the most artistic hub of culture, uh, right?
1: Yeah, I think I found a lot of that. Um, through, I mean, I really found a lot of it through music, through through punk music, uh, the Ramones, and honestly, like being at the mall in like the early
0: two thousands. You know, like yeah. Hot Topic and <laughs> and that sort of stuff is what I gravitated towards. So you're uh, and you're in second grade. and You're thinking, okay, impressionism is cool. Is that when you first started doing painting? Um, no, not really. Cause there wasn't art
1: class in elementary school outside of that. There was art club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I just thought that like impressionism and that sort of thing was cool because it was different from, you know, classic portraiture that you would see at, at church or whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the, the millionth produced
0: Jesus picture, you know. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. I I vaguely know what impressionism is. I know who some of the big people were in that movement, but if like, what what is, what is the, like the philosophy behind it? Um, I mean,
1: it, it comes kind of at a time where the artist is um, contending with the camera. You want to get a feeling, you want to capture the moment in the same way. Uh, it's, it's, this isn't a study. This is, this isn't a, you know, we have, we have you sit down for eight hours for a week and paint your portrait perfectly. This is, I'm capturing a moment. I'm capturing a feeling. I'm capturing that in
0: paint. And so contending with the camera, that means like almost in competition with the yeah. image that was able to be produced by a you know, photographer. Sure.
1: Yeah. Cause up until then, um, you would have to, the only way to have a likeness of anything made was by a painter. Uh, whether that is landscape or a major part was uh, church pictures. Um, And a a major part of painting was uh, for the church because a lot of people were illiterate. So uh, you make paintings to show what happened in the Bible. Um, And then, I mean, uh, by the time Impressionism happened, that had changed a lot, and there was a lot more state-sponsored art uh, throughout Europe. Um, and the Impressionists wanted to do something different, um, wanted to capture a feeling more than just a scene, more than just a picture. Like they're not taking a picture. They're yeah. capturing a, a deeper
0: meaning. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Jeff who who is an installation at the Garden of the Zodiac Gallery this month through January 29th. What's on your mind this week? Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. To me, then, to capture a feeling is uh, you are processing the world. You're processing sort of what you're going through and putting it into this, right? It's not – I guess to go back to where we started, you're talking about how you want to distract yourself from the overwhelming world, right? Uh But it's not like painting can ever be totally divorced from what you're going through. It can't be totally – I don't want to say it's always directly political, uh-huh. It's not always didactic, but there's always going to be some part of you that's being shared and you exist in a place in a time. Yeah.
1: And there could be like some like subversive meaning to it. Sure. Um, yeah. I think that's probably true. But uh, everything that I've worked on, I I try – I do try my best to divorce myself from anything. I try – like – and in my practice, I'm not thinking about anything else.
0: Okay. Why why is that?
1: <laughs> I think for, at the I think that's the core of the question like um everything is so overwhelming and I am a, a pretty anxious person and I I'm always taking in information. I mean everybody's always taking in information right. whether they want to or not. Um and so I just had made it a habit to painting is like my release. I don't think about anything else. And when I say it's meditative, I mean that like It's literally like, shut everything off. I don't think about anything else. Um, I go to a place that's, there's no thought. It's just like, uh, what color goes here? And it becomes sort of a game to myself. What's the
0: game? Uh, Balance, harmony. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: So you start, but like when you're in second grade, you're not thinking like, boy, things are overwhelming. I need to meditate. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, no uh but it wouldn't it wouldn't take long for that to happen i d- i didn't um i didn't realize i did need to do that until a, a lot later but i was a pretty anxious kid uh i was a kind of loud kid uh, i would get in trouble a little bit uh and then by the time i hit high school i i i just didn't want attention anymore so i just kind of withdrew and Got well, to a place where I'm just painting.
0: You, you didn't want attention because you were getting in trouble or like was yeah. a rebellion? Well, I mean, I, w-
1: I think I wanted attention as a child. Yeah. And every time I would get attention, it would be sort of negative.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's almost a dissonance between uh, you didn't want attention, so you channeled it into art, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Which creates a product, uh-huh. which then people look at and experience, right? right yeah. So I, like it is, you're, you're sort of like, you're, you're moving the attention away from you directly the person into this thing that you've made, right?
1: Uh-huh, yeah. I think it's, a, I think it. It's an easier way. It's a more direct, more concrete way for me to communicate uh, how I feel.
0: But So what, what are you communicating then if it's also kind of just this meditative space where you're not trying to directly, you know, there's not a message, right? So what, what is it that you're trying to communicate through your art?
1: Um, I, I think that's kind of the beauty of art um, in general is it's open-ended. Mm-hmm. And especially with abstract art, uh, my hope is that you can slow down for a second and you can take a second and think about it, even to, even to think about, do I like this or not? Or if I like this, why do I like this? If I don't like this, why don't I like this? Um, and getting back to the overwhelming thing, like we are in a time that everything is, I mean, even myself, I can scroll on Instagram and be like, oh, I like this. I don't like this. I want to buy this. Oh, I wouldn't buy that. Yeah. But um, to create a space where you're just like, I don't know if I like this or don't like this or want to buy this or don't want to buy this. I I'm just going to look at this for a second.
0: Yeah. Well, to to take out the, do I want to buy this or not? Or not, you know, that, that puts you in a completely different mindset. right? Yeah. Uh, Well, I noticed you came in here. You don't even have your phone on you. And so I thought, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, this is a guy who he's not worried about uh, what's going on on Twitter right now.
1: No, I I can be a bit detached uh, from that sort of stuff, but then I can also, if I touch it, uh, I'm in, you yeah. know. Uh, my phone is a lot, a lot of times on silent. Uh, but as soon as I like touch that Instagram button or whatever, I can be in there for, like, 15 minutes. And sometimes I'll, I'll get off of it and be like, what was I just doing?
0: I think most people would be happy if they're going on it for 15 minutes yeah. when they pick it up. Yeah, well, that, That's something I think about a lot with this show is just what is it that our attention, like, what are we addicted to that we pay so much attention to? Mm-hmm. And I think about it in particular because this show, a lot of the times we're talking about sort of these big societal questions and, you know, ostensibly I'm trying to solve the big problems, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to exist in this space which is that we romanticize people as sort of hungry for dense information and the information that actually is useful and helps us learn. Mm-hmm. But really we're, we're so much more gravitated toward what's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can also be informative, but also it can be just a distraction, right? It can be art, it can be music, it can be whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess that I'm sort of fascinated by this idea that we try to – I wonder if art – is a better way sometimes to get into these issues, to get people engaged in the world than actually direct information. Uh I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think art, uh, absolutely is probably the best thing to do that. I specifically don't have an agenda. I don't have anything I'm trying to say. Um, I'm trying in some ways to speak a different language, to pull people away from, the politics or anything else that's going on. Uh, but I think the artists, and especially today, a lot of them do have agendas and a lot of them do have good agendas to do that.
0: Well, so I mean, I know you don't have like a direct message. Like I, I was talking to Tim Guthrie recently and he didn't like when I said, you're saying uh, rendition is bad. He thought that was overly simplistic. And I don't mean to do it that way, but it sounds like what you value is Being able to stop and to think and to process kind of in a different pace than the internet uh, sort of forces you to or that we're addicted to. Right. And your art is a way of doing that, right? The kind of art that you make has the details and has kind of a – it doesn't have like a a busy pace to it. Yeah. So it does encourage that kind of engagement that is slower and more contemplative, Mm -hmm. which is – kind. I don't want to say it's a message exactly, right? But it is a way for what it is that you value to also come through in your art. Mm hmm yeah. Uh, wh-
1: what did Tim mean about um, you didn't like the word rendition?
0: He didn't like that I said, Tim thinks this is bad, and that's part of what he's doing with his art.
1: Oh.
0: And I didn't mean it as like uh, Tim's. Oh, I see. We yeah. have to listen to what Tim says about this. Uh-huh. But he was having a reaction to something in the world, and part of the art was a way to get people in the audience to see the negative thing that he was reacting to and uh-huh. to also have a negative reaction to it. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Sometimes people don't like it when I say, I think this is what this achieves. And they're like, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't uh-huh. want to definitively
1: say that. Yeah. I think most, I mean, probably most artists are like that. <laughs> like that's not exactly what I was trying to say. Right. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. It seems like you, you don't like that either. Is there art that, I mean, uh, when you started to sort of come up with your, your style or your mm-hmm. approach, there must've been sort of some experimentation before you landed on this philosophy, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, absurdity. Okay. I think, I think I'd,
1: played around with absurdity for a long time drawing little comics or something that
0: don't really make sense or just like really outlandish yeah and you decided uh, that absurdity was not the not the thing that you were interested well, in well i or? mean
1: it's i mean it's like it's one thing to just be like a flippant like i wanted to care about something or i think the art i was making was a, a little bit like slackerish like who cares give the finger to the world yeah and i don't know that's that's funny for a, a little bit, especially if you're like a teenage boy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's a big audience though. The teenage yeah. boys who like right. to yeah, be flippin'. Yeah, uh, so worked well for the South Park guys. Still. Exactly.
1: Yeah. No, and and I, and I don't. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, there is there is space for that, um, but I just didn't want to do that anymore. And it's not really, it's not fulfilling for me. I think that it's it's easy, and there's there's more going on.
0: So when did you make that decision? Was it because the world was disturbing you more?
1: Um, I don't know. There's not, I mean, throughout my whole career, I've never made a decision. I've just always made. So I've always, in some capacity, tried to keep a studio, uh, whether that's a corner of a bedroom, whether that's someplace rented. I've always tried to keep a studio and I've always tried to draw every day. I mean, that's the job of the artist is to draw every day, whether you're making money at it or not, you know. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an idea, then you have to sharpen pencils. And I think I I, I can't remember who said that, but that that always stuck with me. You know, you have to be working on it every day. So I've never made a decision to go in this direction or that direction. It's always just kind of come naturally to, I mean, honestly, to what people have responded to. I, I, I rely a lot on like my friends and my peers, um, to tell me, uh, and I don't, I don't ask, <laughs> I don't say, come and look at this, but I, I do get the response, um, yeah. uh, in my own observation.
0: So they weren't responding to the flippant stuff, the absurdity. Uh,
1: I mean, they were, but it was, I mean, it's kind of empty. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it lasts for a second. It's like, it's like fast fashion, you know, like that's cool this week. Let's get rid of it. Let's throw it away. What were some yeah, of the things great.
0: that you were, uh, like, the targets of those pieces? Uh,
1: I mean, anything. Would it be, like, stuff in the news? Uh, no, it wasn't It wasn't necessarily, like, pop culture stuff. It was, like, uh, here's boring suburban life.
0: Here's, okay. you know. Yeah. Uh, and, like, parodies of that sort of stuff. And so the turn back to Impressionism, when did that happen?
1: I mean, relatively recently— Probably around uh, the COVID lockdown, um, I just started going back and trying to remember how I got into art and and why and what painting meant to me and watching a lot of documentaries, picking up a lot of books on the impressionists and um, and then kind of like tracing it back from there the the, the history of art from you know the late eighteen hundreds through now and there is like there's a line of people that have, that have just continue this tradition and it, and it becomes almost its own its own language um and you know like people people that know film or know music or anything almost almost talk a different language Do you know
0: yeah yeah I don't I don't know that I have the 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 impressionist language I feel like I I know I know that just I've seen some things about Van Gogh or whatever yeah uh, so, like, he, he's really who I picture when I think of, the, like, the artists behind it all. Because, like, I, I've seen Monet. I don't know anything about the guy, the uh-huh. actual person or any of the people behind it. So, like, Van Gogh, what I know about him is he was not a very happy guy, right? Yeah. And that was – he was, again, kind of processing a lot of things through his art, yeah. even though the art wasn't always directly unhappy or anything. Uh-huh. So it's interesting because I, it, when you talk about attention and you talk about not having a direct message, w- what spills out? even if it is kind of on an unconscious level has got to be somewhat revealing. Right. Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I think I sort of, I sort of think that that's um, it's unfair that Van Gogh is looked at that way. Um, and I felt the same way too. Like I was, I did have this period that was like, well, a lot of artists uh, are sort of like tortured, you know, yeah. or uh, troubled and, you know, live unhappy lives. So if I want to make art, maybe that's the sacrifice I have to make. Maybe right. I'm going to, have to do that. But that's, I don't think that that's true. Van Gogh gets, gets put in that category because it's, it's, it's easy to, to sell that story. But yeah. like, well,
0: it's because it's because of the ear really. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, but you look, I mean, Monet, I, I lived a very long life and I mean, if you've stood in front of like a Monet painting his his giant water lilies I don't know how you can't be in awe of it. Um there was one uh at the Nelson Atkins Museum in Kansas City uh that I saw last year and I just I don't know it's so overwhelming and and not, no you you have to have some sort of like I you have to have some sort of connection to like Spirituality, some divine something to be able to make these paintings. You, you, I don't know. There has to be something else there.
0: So, is that the connection to the often nature, uh, the elements of nature that come up in these paintings? Probably, yeah. So, what's what's your relationship with that then? The, the spiritual element that you channel. I
1: don't know. Um, my, I, I've, I was raised Presbyterian. I, I'm not. I wouldn't say a Christian by any means, but. Um, there's always been a a spiritual part of me, and I don't like the term, but like painting, you know, sort of is my religion, and it, it, it comes into this like meditative space that I was talking about. Um, there's there's more than just nothing that in this world, you know, and I think to connect to a spiritual something, no matter how you do it, you know, some people do it through yoga, some people do it through painting, some people do it through church. Um, I don't think there's any one answer, but for me, it's making art.
0: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I think about uh, when I was when I was brought to church as a kid. A lot of my memories are like my mom being mad that I was making noise or like not right. being reverent enough. Uh-huh. And I do like I I see for me now definitely if I go to a movie theater that's my etiquette is like Uh we're going to be quiet we're going to be reverent we're going to pay attention to Uh what's going on Uh we're going to like we're going to subsume some part of ourselves to the attention that's owed on the screen Uh and it's like like, I'm worshipping this screen basically is what I'm doing yeah but there's human there's human connection
1: there like um, totally yeah you're 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 putting yourself in this experience um, when you're watching a movie and you're feeling something outside of yourself because that's not you you know,
0: and that—that's that, t- magical.
1: That's magic. That's what makes us human. That's what makes—that's what makes art. Is um, this connection to other people? What other animals connect to other people in these ways? You know, like they're ha- like, and why? You know, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, for me, that's—that's that's maybe the spiritual connection. Is why? Uh, why do we? Ha- why do we have this connection? Why do we want to communicate in ways beyond words or um, simple things like, I need to eat. Yeah, or let's have sex. You know, <laughs>
0: the the primal. Yeah, stuff.
1: there's more. There's more.
0: I'm talking with Jeff Cedril, who has an exhibition at the Garden of the Zodiac Gallery this month through January 29th. Let us know what you think. Follow Riverside Chance on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break. We have a lot of hours of content here on Riverside Chats now. Our backlog has over 100 episodes. We're expanding into live events. And we have an exciting future for the show that we hope to be able to get to you. To make the show as good as it can be and to continue to give you the kinds of conversations that you listen for. The reason why you subscribed in the first place. To hear coverage of arts, ideas, politics, whatever it is that brings you here every time, please consider becoming a supporter of the show by making a sustaining monthly donation of $1, $5, whatever you can afford, and really whatever you think the show is worth, which may be zero. In which case, ouch, but okay. If you are interested in becoming a supporter, please look in the podcast notes. There should be a link in there that you can find that gives you all the information you need. Otherwise, thank you for considering supporting the show, and more, more importantly, thank you for listening and welcome back to riverside chats i'm tom noblock you can check out the backlog of all these riverside chats episodes wherever you get podcasts subscribe on apple spotify stitcher or whatever your favorite app is and while you're there we would love it if you would leave us a review. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Cedrill, a mixed media artist who has a series of floral paintings in an exhibition at the Garden of the Zodiac Gallery through January 29th. Here is the rest of our conversation. People, they almost need to be trained to appreciate some of the things outside of that primal or the stuff that's just immediately gratifying, mm-hmm. which would be probably the internet, sort of just the fast-paced internet, mm-hmm. right? So impressionism is a way then to get people there. hmm Um, and so with your art flowers for you, how did you land on that as kind of the way for you to channel whatever it is that you are trying to say now, even though I know it's not a message Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to put them. I feel like I keep trying to put messages (laughs) on you and I don't mean (laughs) No, no,
1: no. That's okay. Um, uh, that for me, uh, there's a really personal side of it that it kind of just grew out organically. Um, after I graduated art school, I didn't, I couldn't use color. I was so overwhelmed by color. Like by the end of art school, I was just doing black and white and it took me a long time to get color back into paintings. And then my paintings would be three colors, you know, maybe like a really deep purple. So almost like a black purple and like gray and white. Um, and then just over time, Something clicked and then color came back in and I was like, OK, I feel I feel comfortable using color again. I feel happy using color. I feel like I know color. And um, these abstract paintings turned into to flowers. I didn't necessarily ask for it or or try to do that. Um, it just kind of happened.
0: So flower, I mean, are you someone who has paid a lot of attention to flowers over the course of your life?
1: Um, yeah, actually. So I, I try and keep a bouquet of flowers in my studio or in the home. Um, and I did work uh, for a number of years at La Bouvette. And there's always a uh, bouquet of flowers on the corner of the bar. And that would always grab my attention. They changed every week. they are always beautiful flowers. Um, I think uh, just, and and flower arrangement itself is just, Something of of beauty that that people do that no other animal does, you know. Um, so I think maybe subconsciously that is something that that came through. Is they, I just always kept them around. So if, I,
0: yeah, I mean, it's like so they're natural, and it's something that you appreciate. And again, I think all the the sort of skills that you talk about, or the the way of processing the world around you, which is sort of slower. A contemplative mm-hmm. looking at a flower thinking about it smelling it right it's kind of this slow process where it's not you know you're not getting this like immediate punch of information or anything from it mm-hmm. so flowers in some way are are a way of experiencing that right
1: yeah yeah and if you um, if you spend time like drawing a bouquet of flowers or I mean, everybody will see a bouquet of flowers and think, oh, that's beautiful. There's not a lot of times. I mean, it's hard to really mess up a bouquet of flowers. But uh, if you see it in, in in a mall or in a bank or whatever, yeah. like that's beautiful, right. but you don't necessarily spend the time to look at it. And there's so much depth and color and living and dying like in that, just that being. And, and it's just a moment because it is, I mean, it's still blooming and then it's dying and it's happening right before you over the course of days. You know, you have maybe a week or two with a bouquet of flowers and so much is happening. Uh, but you don't really spend a lot of time with it.
0: So when, when you go outside, like you see flowers or you see plants or whatever nature, do you often get sort of, uh, absorbed into all these processes you're talking about with flowers just in the, the natural world?
1: Yeah. But I mean it's everything it's not it's not just flowers um it's street signs it's the way street lights reflect in the water it's anything it's the typography of a gas station you know a bag of skittles
0: it's walk me through okay that you're looking at a bag of skittles uh-huh what's what's the process in your brain
1: I mean I look at that font and like I feel like that font used to be different two years ago. I mean, did they change it a little bit? Did they did they stretch it a little bit? Does the space change a little bit? Did they add more information to the package? I feel like there used to be more colors in the Skittles. You know, I this stuff I'm like constantly recalling at everything I look at.
0: So it's all in that case. It's kind of all the intentionality, right? And then the way that the different design choices impact things. Yeah. Whereas if you look at like a tree, it's got to be kind of different, right?
1: Uh huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I look at a tree, I mean, a tree is just a big bouquet of flowers, right? Sure.
0: <laughs> well, with with the flowers, there was you know, this, this life cycle, uh-huh. it seems like, and then you can draw from that the, the connections to all kinds of life. And, you know, if you want to go all Walt Whitman, Whitman with it, it's like the atoms and everything are uh-huh. shared in this life process, so on and so forth. With Skittles, it's, you're looking at, uh, something that sells and something that draws attention. Uh-huh. Right. And so that, that that seems like a different category.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe it is, but I think I mean it all has to come from somewhere. It all has to come from where everybody's looked forever. There's this is I mean that's that's art, right? That's the unspoken language. Uh what's the phrase? There's there's people that that look at the forest and see the forest and there's people that see a bunch of what's the phrase? Do you know it?
0: Uh, something about the forest for the trees yeah. or something I don't. I don't. Missing that, the forest for the trees. I think yeah. that's that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So missing the forest for the trees. You're someone who looks at the trees. Yeah, I would like to think so. (laughs) Well, so I I, I was. I noted when you were talking about uh, seeing Monet. uh, Seeing which which painting was it that you were just talking about looking at? Uh,
1: There's uh, one of his water lilies uh, paintings. That's it's it's a lot of purple and a lot of green. Yeah, a lot of violet, a lot of green
0: on these big big panels. And you said it was an overwhelming experience, sort of soaking it all in, right? Yeah. And so this we started with this idea of being overwhelmed in a negative way, and this would be being overwhelmed in kind of this sublime way, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, for art, for you, is it is it a way of sort of like if you're going to be overwhelmed through uh, either all these negative inputs from Twitter or whatever else, or you can choose to be overwhelmed by kind of this natural beauty or the beauty of art? Yeah. You're kind of like channeling which overwhelming uh, sensation will be more gratifying for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just overwhelmed all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it's hard to make art that overwhelms, isn't it? How do you do it? Uh, I don't know.
1: I think I think w- when you get there, you know? There's no way to teach that. You can teach you can teach drawing, you can teach represent representational painting, you can teach abstract painting, but you can't teach how to make art. The only way to do it is to just
0: do it, you know? Well, it sounds like when you were taught art, you couldn't use color anymore, right? So like, is that because it becomes less of that sort of natural experience and it's a little bit too manufactured or?
1: Yes, sort of. It, it became, well, in that way, I had a color theory class and I, I, I became overwhelmed by color theory <laughs> and like what yellow means, what red means, what blue means, the connotations throughout history, uh, in this culture in that culture and I just like I didn't want to use anything wrong. I didn't want to use um, I Didn't want to misrepresent anything Everything had to be black and white That made sense to me not even grayscale just black and white ink uh, black ink white paper Um and that, that that's where I had to start.
0: Well, yeah. So it sounds like your your process is very intuitive, though. And this, what you're describing, is very intellectualized. Mm-hmm. So is that the disconnect that sort of came from when they tried to teach you art, it became this almost uh, this block of intellectualizing each choice as opposed to what it sounds like you prefer, which is, what am I feeling? What is it sort of, where is yeah. it going on its own? I
1: think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so should people not get art degrees then?
1: <laughs> People shouldn't get art degrees because they're expensive. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think it's unfair that we're not taught more about art in general. I mean, probably like I was saying earlier, uh, what kicked off art for me was an after-school art club. And I think in elementary school, we probably had an art teacher come in like once a week. And then... By middle school and high school, it's an elective. Like, if you want to do art, you have to elect to do art. And then even in you know in college, if you want to do it, you have to elect to do it. Um, but I'm not saying anybody should force to be do to do art. But like most people like it. Every kid like loves to draw for the most part. And then we just stop doing that, and then that's the end of the conversation. I think it would be um, a lot nicer world if everybody had the vocabulary and the knowledge to understand art and make art.
0: Yeah, maybe in Congress they should have a little doodle time.
1: Yeah, why not?
0: We're going to we're going to listen to some music and draw uh-huh. some some circles or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, the the description of your current exhibition says uh the quote here is that you have an interest in the connection between impressionism and the industrial age and that you are intrigued by parallels With the emergence of artificial intelligence technology as a method of producing art through algorithm, and has how or and how as the 21st century wears on, that might inform traditional studio practice. So I'm going to be kind of a dumb Midwestern guy here and say, what? How do you go from how does flower? How do flowers play in there?
1: Um. So I'm thinking specifically about, as I was saying earlier, with um, impressionists fighting the camera, and artists making physical work today fighting with digital work and uh, AI-informed work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are plenty of bots that can create a painting based on a prompt now. Right. Um, how do I not necessarily compete with that, because I'm not against that, but how do I do something different that a bot can't do mm-hmm. the way the impressionists do something a camera can't do? Um I'm sure you could feed my paintings to a bot and say, make something that looks like this, but I want them to be at a place that aren't there. We'll never get there. And that way I'm competing with the with
0: computer. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Jeff Cedrill, who has an exhibition at the Garden of the Zodiac Gallery this month through the 29th. What's on your mind this week? Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089 which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. So in the way the Impressionists had to sort of figure out what do we do that can't be replicated, mm-hmm. you also have to do that. And it's, it's so different, right? Like I, I think about these Dolly uh, generations that right. everyone was doing you know, over the course of the year. And like, look, I laughed at uh, Freddie Mercury eating spaghetti out of a washing machine. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what the craft is there. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of exquisitely stupid, uh-huh. right? But it, it's got to be weird for that to be a thing where you're like, how do I compete with that? Right. Like, yeah. how do you even how do you even enter into that kind of a, a, a challenge against them?
1: Yeah, I think it's a different um, I think it's a different sphere, really. Uh, I don't think I don't know. I mean, I I don't think the metaverse is going to be like a thing. The idea is that you would buy with with NFTs and whatever you buy digital art for your digital self in your digital world.
0: Yeah. can you explain the metaverse to me because I don't get any of that I mean I don't
1: I'm no (laughs) professional on any of that Um, but the idea is uh, you have a digital space and a digital self uh, avatar of sorts and then you can purchase things for your digital world and that's kind of where NFTs go NFTs are can be there yeah um but it's a it's a little. I, don't, I, I honestly don't, I don't really know too much about it. But
0: uh, what's well, a it's a completely different way of processing art, right? Because it's it's purely it's not the, tactile. It's not. Yeah, right. And the, like the, you you gravitate toward that. And the the idea of a painting, it, it can't totally be replicated uh, in the digital copy at all, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we I don't know. We say that, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know where technology is going. Like, I think I think by now. An AI could probably pretty easily copy a Van Gogh, and and be and 3D print a Van Gogh that would look very similar, if not completely the same. What do
0: you make of that? Is that is that does that feel like a threat? Then, I
1: mean, I don't know, I don't know if threat. It's just it's just different. It's a new frontier, you know.
0: Yeah, because obviously, like the image uh, in terms of photographs and eventually film and now digital, you know, files of mo- moving pictures. That's just, it's a it's a, I don't know if it's exactly a parallel track, but, I mean, it does absorb people's attention in a way that, I don't know that the average impressionist painter gets as much attention now compared to whatever's on TV or whatever's on the internet, right? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, to see that continue, what is it that makes you say, no, impressionism is worth continuing to do. There's a value to it that you're not necessarily going to get with your generated uh Hamburglar destroying a city or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, there's feeling. I mean, there's there's
1: a, a specific human experience given to this piece of work um, that nobody else
0: has, probably. And the trick is to get people to want to experience a uniquely human feeling, as opposed as to as opposed to the, the clicks, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. If I don't know what that is. Uh, there's there's something about seeing a hand painted thing that I've never I've never got in. I mean, like for that that Monet, for instance, um, I'd seen it a million times in, in textbooks um, or or even posters, but seeing it in person, there's just nothing like it. You can
0: you can feel that it's something different. You can feel the the passion, the connection to yeah. this person. Is that what it is? Yeah.
1: And and if you know their art, you can you can you can feel the whole meaning of, of what they were trying to achieve in all of their art and their whole life of work.
0: So that seems like something that uh, people again, it's it's maybe it goes back to what you're saying with education, where. It's not so hard, especially for kids, to be interested in art. Mm-hmm. But you do get conditioned to not necessarily look to art because you're looking at what's productive and you're looking at the uh-huh. screen to do your work, uh-huh. right? So it's almost like people, you know, they maybe they have that, maybe they've preserved that. But other people probably could learn to appreciate it, but they need some kind of excuse to. Mm-hmm. Does that seem right? Learn to appreciate it, but need an excuse to. An excuse to look at, like to go to a gallery instead of, looking at beautiful paintings, uh, pictures of paintings uh, on Google or something? Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're not worried about it, it seems like. No. I'm more worried about it. I'm like, how do we get people to go? How do we get people to put their phones down, Jeff? Uh, Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> I mean, I never want to have my phone. Like, I, I mean, as we started this, I never want to have my phone on me. So, um, I don't know, There's, there's, how do we get people off their phones? I don't know.
0: Yeah, and how do we get them to appreciate nice things like flowers and paintings of flowers? I don't know. Is is, is that I don't know. Is that my job? It's not your job, no, but it's it's adjacent to your job.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the answer to that. <laughs> like I said, like I just have to make paintings, I mean, compulsively throughout my life. I just yeah. have to make paintings. Right. I mean it's not I don't unfortunately I've never had like a an aim, like I have to have this by then or this by then. I just always have been making paintings I sometimes don't know why
0: <laughs> do you find when you look back that it's more clear how you ended up at that style or that focus
1: absolutely yeah
0: so you have do you feel like you have that for the flowers now or do you think it'll change and if i ask you a year from now
1: it'll probably change a year from now
0: <laughs> what's an example of one where you're sort of like in the moment you weren't really sure what it was and then you look back and you're like oh yeah i did it because of xyz
1: oh man there's a lot of um textural like uh, maybe about 10 years ago I was living in Virginia and I was doing a lot of text-based work and I would look back uh, I was looking back at my Instagram a couple years ago this is early in my Instagram and a lot of the phrases I was using just seemed like nonsense at that point you know I'd come home late at night and just like scribble them down and then put them on paintings uh, because I liked the way the words looked next to each other and then I look back years later and I'm like wow that's what I was going through um and it uh it it, it made a lot more sense to me in the moment now than it did then it, I didn't see it then mm-hmm. I have I have a problem with uh, actually seeing what's in front of me right now.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's normal. I think for art in general, your brain is doing things that aren't always apparent. Uh-huh. But there, there's a way that you get to a lot of these decisions, even if they sort of seem like this magical process of invoking a muse or whatever. So I, mean, I guess what I'm trying to do is get to the, the, the answer here with the flowers, which is how do we... Uh, how do I diagnose how you ended up on flowers specifically? Other than the fact that it is a distraction and it is natural and it brings a lot of sort of the the things that you respond to that you're passionate about uh-huh. together, or maybe maybe that's all it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's all it is.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I asked myself the same thing, um, but I, I really I don't have a I don't have a concrete reason. I never had a I never. Other than, I suppose, the still life of flowers is something that artists have been doing for centuries. Yeah. I mean, there's a tradition there. So maybe it's a part of that tradition.
0: I, I, I suppose that's that's a good answer. Is that daunting to enter into that tradition? Oh, no. I I mean, think, not like, what do I have to bring to flowers?
1: No, I mean, like before I would think that was really boring <laughs> because I think oh, – myself and probably a lot of other artists you always want to do something different and painting flowers is is boring like painting still life is is practice for a lot of people um so so to do that is almost easy it's almost um cliche it's almost done to death you know mm-hmm. but I think with the way I was doing it and the way I was approaching it, uh, it's something different.
0: Did it change your perspective of that tradition of people painting flowers?
1: Yeah, I think so. How so? Um, well, because before I thought it was cliche and boring (laughs) 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 and done to death. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'd, and to go back like I, I, we've been using the word impressionist a lot and I don't consider myself an impressionist uh, I just think that that was that was a big jumping off point for me as a child and it kind of wrapped back around to uh, this last couple years especially like Matisse um, and he does a lot of people painting um, in a in a semi-representational way uh, and there's it's a lot of loose brush brush strokes and fast and there's a lot of flowers that are loose and fast and there's something in there that that was calling to me too.
0: Do you know what it was?
1: Um, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I I think that it, I think Matisse has this this uh, sort of overarching feeling of not caring what people think uh or or what what the what the critics of the day would have said and there's and of course i think any artist probably wants that but it's really hard to get to that to not you can say you don't care what people thinks but people think but it's really hard to actually get to that have you gotten there uh yeah i think for the most part (laughs) i don't know um I, I, of course, I, I, I care a little, but I've gotten a lot more into. I've always keep a sketchbook on me, and I, I draw everywhere I go. Um, I try to not be noticed, um, and and I think I always draw with a brush pen too. I don't use pencil or anything. So, so having like a fast, loose style of just like a representation of my moment is. Um, I think Matisse had something in there that I that I really liked.
0: Well, so the, the current exhibition, it's up through January 29th. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else, any other places people should go or anywhere you want to direct people to look at either your past work or whatever else you're working on, whatever you want, might be coming up?
1: Um, I mean, my Instagram is just at Jeff Cedrill, at my name. Um, as far as other work showing, I mean, there's always – I don't have anything else up right now. I think I have a couple zines at Family of Things Shop, in um, Little Bohemia. I might have a couple little drawings for sale up on the wall there too. Um, and there's uh, plenty. I mean, as far if, if if you want to get into art, if you if you are listening to this and like don't know where to start with art in this town, there's you know the Bemis oh, has a really good show up right now. The Kaneko has a really really good show up right now. Um, the Union has a really good show that is actually going to be down by the time that this airs but The Union has a really good show up right now, The Union for Contemporary Art um, you know there's there's plenty of galleries around town and you know Omaha has a lot of uh, of cool art stuff going on um, it's kind of just below the surface I feel like but there's yeah. a lot going on
0: so let me be the, the curmudgeon and say uh, maybe consider looking at some art and not yeah. looking at Twitter today yeah <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, thanks for, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate getting to yeah. know you, your process. And uh, I hope you aren't overwhelmed in the future. I hope you get to relax. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Riverside Chats is a production of KIOS 915 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. And our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. Remember, you can find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock.